Hey, welcome to a Zion People podcast. I am Keelan, an intern at Zion Church, and this is our latest message. The team here hope the message challenges you, inspires you, but most of all, builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Awesome. Um, so I'm just going to start by recapping kind of what we're... So we're in the series. Can you all remember what the series is called? Almost, yeah. So your Kingsman Redeemer. We're, we're studying the book of Ruth. Um, and yeah, so we've made a four-week teaching series on the book of Ruth. We've just completed week one. This is week two. Um, and if, if, if you might have realized if you were here last week, there's a, the, the structure's a little bit different. So what's happening is one person, like me, is coming up to, to speak, to share what we might get from something like this. Um, and then we have another person, and that's going to be Janet today, um, and they're going to be doing the exegesis. They're pulling all, all the things we need to know out of the scripture. So last week that was... Uh, Richard Teddy and Pastor Phil. Um, and I just wanted to do a quick little recap on what we what we learned last week um, before we move on. Um, so last week you might have learned uh, the book of Ruth is at the same time of Judges, written at the same time, and we learned this, uh, I think firstly from Richard Teddy, and it opens, oh, we know this because in Ruth 1.1, it literally says, in the days of the Judges. Judges is the book before Ruth, so it's kind of fitting that they, they work together. Um, you might have also learned Ruth was written about 3,000 years ago, so it, it can make it a little bit difficult to draw information from. The process, it takes a little bit longer than some other books. Um, you might have also learned that Ruth is the great-grandfather of King David, one who fights Goliath and becomes the king. So some pretty cool facts you might have learned. Um, but I just wanted to uh, next point out what the book, the whole of the book Ruth, um, points to at the time to the, Jew- to the audience. So we know the book was written to a Jewish audience, and in keeping contemporary with that, um, the book's named after an, an, a Gentile, a non-Jewish Christian, um, so there's a bit of significance behind that, but it really points towards this idea of inclusivity, a Gentile being included into the Jewish church. And that's that's not heard of at that time. It's not very common, you know. Um, so yeah, it, originally it's tended for um, a Jewish audience, and yeah, it points to this this um, idea of conclusion. And when you oh, inclusion, when you look at it, it this, when you read the story with that idea, it it kind of gains so much more depth and. You do, you do realize when you when you look at that. So um, last week, I just want to point out some some um, points that we learned from last week's teaching. So um, back in Ruth chapter one, we learned there's a, a famine that causes uh, that's in Israel that causes Naomi, Emiliac, and her two sons to move to Moab. Um, Moab and Israel weren't best buddies. Uh, they were actually at war sometimes, and Richard actually said that they were foreigners at best when they entered each other's countries, and that's kind of an interesting idea that I might touch on a little bit later. Uh, Naomi's husband, Emiliac, then dies. Not a great start. Uh, both her sons get married um, to these these Moabite women for 10 years. Um, so her, her sons, uh, Mar- Marlon and Kilion, uh, marry Ruth and Orpah. And um, they married them for 10 years, and then her sons pass away. And Richard touched on this last week. Uh, in Jewish tradition, it's 
when you have no sons or, or a husband, no male blood in your family, it's, you've, lo- you've lost all your status. And that, that's terrible for, for Ruth, uh, or for Naomi, sorry. Um, so a little later, God moves on and he promises good crops to Israel. And Naomi, um, having nothing left in, in Moab, goes, yep, I'm going to go back to, um, to Israel. Um, she thinks she has nothing. And Ruth and Orpah, there's this, this scene. We ended that last week. Um, and Ruth goes, I'm coming with you. Uh, Naomi goes, no, you, you two girls need to stay here. Bit of a fight uh, situation. Anyway, uh, Orpah turns away and she goes, yep, you're right. There's nothing here. I need to stay here and just remarry. Nothing for me in Israel. But we see uh, Ruth, which the book is named after we're studying, um, she shows this extreme loyalty and, and commitment. And she says uh, she will journey with Naomi even to the point she will die. And she puts what's called a covenant relationship I'm on it. And, and Pastor Phil described this last week as a, a marriage. That's the, the best way we can look at it, where it's kind of combined. Um, then they both leave to Bethlehem, and they arrive, and, and Naomi goes, I've got nothing. She declares her name bitter because she left with everything, comes back with nothing. Um, and she says, I'm empty, I've got nothing, but we know that she's got Ruth journeying right beside her, so it's kind of like, hmm, okay. Um, and Pastor Phil described this as like a drama scene from a movie, and you might see it on Netflix. Let me know if you do, I should might watch it. But um, Yeah, so it's kind of like a cliffhanger, and we got left there, and then we're moving into chapter two, but we didn't get too much information. Um, so I'm going to move on to chapter two now. I'm going to invite Janet up to speak on that before we move on. Yeah, Ruth chapter two. What a neat story. It's worth digging into even at home, just taking your time because there's so much in here and Honestly, I'm, I got so distracted by all the detail that I, Fraser said, don't ramble. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we're, chapter two, we're introduced to the two main players again, um, Ruth and Naomi, and Boaz turns up. And in the first, I'm just going to basically touch on those verses and sections. Verses one to three, we see Boaz, he's a wealthy man, and he is actually a relative of Elimelech, which is Naomi's husband. And so, wow, he's wealthy. What sort of guy is this guy? Um, Ruth actually decides that she has to provide for Naomi and herself. So she actually asks permission to go down in the fields and glean. And if you look that into a little bit further, you can go to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22, and Deuteronomy 24, 21. And you can find out about those... Um, guidelines for reaping and harvesting and they were told to leave the corners and if you dropped anything you leave it. So Ruth is actually gleaning which means she's actually going down to the fields to pick up some scraps so that she can live off them. Um, Bethlehem I found is two and a half thousand feet above sea level and it's in the southern Judean mountains. It's about 10k south of Jerusalem so it's probably a half day's walk and I don't think it's flat. I think there's probably a few hills involved. In uh, the next uh, verse, in about 4 to 7, we see Boaz, and it says, Now behold, Boaz comes down, and he's actually coming down from Bethlehem, okay? So he's in the fields, 
And uh, what sort of guy is he? He's uh, a friendly guy. He says, the Lord be with you. And that um, kind of implies that he's a godly man. And we've already been told that this is the time of the judges where everyone does what is right in their own eyes. So we see Boaz is wealthy, got land. He knows his staff. He knows the team that are working for him because he finds out there's actually somebody in his field that doesn't belong to him. And so he has a chat to his foreman and uh, asks all about this lady. I imagine she might be actually attractive as well, but we're not told that specifically. Um, yeah, he's chatty, he's got faith, he's friendly, and he, um, he actually knows who's, who his employees are. Um, we're also told back in the day that the fields were separated by stones or boulders, and uh, so Ruth could easily go down and probably wander from field to field. They weren't told specifically where Boaz's field was. Um, so randomly in the Bible, now it doesn't happen. So she ends up in Boaz's field. Boaz, in verse uh, 14 to 17, he has a, uh, no, 8 to 13, he chats to Ruth and he calls her my daughter. Um, what, 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 what's the implication of that? Why does he call her my daughter? Um, he knows who she is. He's heard about the story of Naomi and Ruth, and now that he knows actually who she is, he's inclusive. He includes her in his family. Um, he's heard about her reputation. She said nothing, and yet she has a reputation of good character. In verse 10, we see Ruth saying, Why have I found favour in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? And I thought about that, and I thought, who was Boaz's mother? It was Rahab. Now, she came from a Canaanite environment. So do you think Boaz might have had a soft heart to those who are different? Ruth's response is really humble. In verse 14 to 17, Boaz's further kindness, he, he, he shows kindness at mealtimes. He offers Ruth the food, the water and the food, and just sharing in his workers' uh, benefits, I guess. Um, he says that she's to glean in his field only, and that provides safety because of the men. Uh, they probably didn't have the, um, the, the restraint that his men might have had towards young women who were alone. She worked all day, and she managed to collect about 13 kilograms of barley. Now, imagine that she had to take that all back up to Bethlehem. I've had a backpack full of 13 kilograms climbing up Barongera or another mountain, and it's pretty heavy, um, heavy enough anyway. So she returns to Naomi in verses 18 to 23, and we see here a shift in Naomi's attitude. Um, in chapter 1, she's bitter, and now she's actually praising the man who owns the field that Ruth gleaned in. She doesn't even know it's Boaz just yet. And then Naomi tells her it was Boaz's field, and wow, Naomi feels blessed and praises God. So Ruth works in the fields for the rest of the season. Now that's probably a few months. She um, lives, continues to live not, not with Boaz's workers, but with Naomi, but she collects her gleanings um, under the protection of Boaz. So there's just a few insights I'd like to wrap up with here. Firstly, Ruth's sacrifice and loyalty to Naomi is um, underlined. She's providing for their circumstances. She has a great love for her mother-in-law. Boaz's loyalty to his kinsman. He's faithful to follow what's required, 
but he went the extra mile, and his kindness is overflowing. Ruth's reputation and her integrity was known and rewarded. Um, Boaz's field was an oasis of safety and plenty in a region of lawlessness and idolatry of the times. It also impressed me that of the gulf between Naomi and Ruth um, and Boaz's wealth and prosperity. How do you cross that? Well, we know Boaz initiated that conversation. So what does it mean for us? And I had to think about it and I thought, well, firstly, how do I respond to poverty when I'm in a position of um, plenty? And I could turn that the other way around. How do I respond when I'm in a position of powerlessness and great need? And I guess the, the, the main truth that I, I love from here is that God has a plan that includes the outsider or the unlikely. And that surprises us, doesn't it? Awesome. Cool. So yeah, that was awesome. Um, I'd just like to point out, it's actually really hard to narrow it, like our whole chapter down to six points. So yeah, it's like, real good job, Janet. It really is. Um, so yeah, we saw like a few insights there, and I've got a few of my own, funny enough. Um, and they actually work together somewhat. Um, so yeah, I'm going to look at it from a slightly different way, though. You'll see you soon. I'm going to title my message here, Gleaning in the Spiritual... That's my only um, thing I'm going to tell you, note takers. All the rest is up to you. And Jaden's got a picture for me, and I'm just going to pop this up. Um, so Janet referred to gleaning, and that's a picture of, of what gleaning is. And she said that there's a bit more to gleaning than, than what you might think. So if you literally just went on Google and you said, what's gleaning? Um, he'd probably answer something like, gathering leftover grain after a harvest. And that's pretty insightful, right? Um, but we see this idea in verse 2, um, where Naomi, or where Ruth asked Naomi, let me go into the field and pick up the leftover grain behind, those in, behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. And that kind of sounds like this, this gleaning we're seeing here, right? Um, and in case you weren't uh, convinced it is, I went to the King's James Version, and it literally says, let me go and glean. There you go. Um, so this gleaning... Seems to hold a bit of a, a meaning in this in this text. Um, so I did a bit more digging, and and you find out that there's actually a lot to gleaning. As uh, Janet pointed out earlier, there's a, a Levitical law uh, in Leviticus, um, and it's also in Deuteronomy. Um, but the the law says in Leviticus 19 verse 9 to 10, when you harvest the crops from your land, do not do not harvest the edges of your fields, and do not pick up the wheat uh, what the harvesters drop. And at the end of verse 10, it says, Leave them for the poor and the foreigners who, love, who live among you. I am the Lord your God. Uh, interesting enough, it also says foreigners, uh, where it says foreigners who live among you. In some translations, it even says the word stranger, which kind of points back to what Richard was saying last week, where she was a, strange, uh, a foreigner at best. I thought that was just, it was kind of cool. Um, back to Galini, we know it was, we know it was an ancient Israel law. It was a custom, it's something that, all Jewish people kind of would have known. It was something they would have grown up with, um, something that Naomi would have been quite familiar with. Um, and it was a law that kind of offered some sort of protection. Um, it kind of provided for the, the 
um, who said in, what said in Leviticus, the poor and the foreigners, so that was the criteria, it, it provided for that criteria of people. So they had some, somewhat of a chance. Um, and I just wanted to ask, did that, does this kind of sound familiar to you guys? Because we actually have a, a system like this now. It's a little bit different now. But this is um, societal catering and provision for the poor and the less fortunate. Um, so what if I said gleaning was like a, an ancient or an old version of what is now our benefit or our dole or even newly our, our government subsidy? Because gleaning was actually Israel's take and it was their law on what social welfare was. Um, and yeah, so that's something you might, you might take from that. It was their governmental provision um, and I even thought it just might be their, their backup for the poor at the time. But there's, there's one big difference I took from this um, between Israel's 3,000-year-old social welfare system and ours today. Um, if you read verse 6 and 7, you get a slightly better idea. But just before I do, it just says, before, I just want to let you know, um, Boaz just asks his foreman um, who the young woman over there is. And the foreman's response is as follows. She is the young Moabite girl who came back from Moab with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind me, uh, behind the other harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. And that's kind of interesting, right? Uh, there we kind of get this idea that gleaning is hard work. It says it plainly, the foreman says it. Um, she has been hard at work, except for a few minutes rest. Um, we get another difference between the two systems, where Naomi and Ruth, um, they don't get a handout, right? Because they don't, they don't kind of just walk down to the building and then get their government subsidy or their payout um, for being less fortunate. Now, I'm not saying that to uh, make people that might might do that nowadays bad. I'm just saying because there's, there's clearly a difference. Um, that Ruth has to work hard to provide for her and Naomi, right? So she still has to go out and work hard. Um, it just, their, their welfare system meant they were able to survive because if they, they took that, that uh, harvest, whatever they had left, that was maybe their dinner, maybe their lunch, and that was really about it, wasn't it? Um, something else I want to point out. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, so yeah, something else I want to point out. There's actually a, a similarity rather than a difference. Is this idea that Janet pointed out earlier, um, where where Ruth has to put a reputation on the line. Um, uh, Ruth puts her reputation on the line because she was an outsider. Um, and in the context, when she works hard, people notice her. And when they, and out of that, the foreman sees her. We see it like the foreman says, I, I notice you. And I notice you're working hard. And she gets blessed out of that. But um, I don't know about you, but when I do it, oh, for me especially, um, when I feel like a foreigner, I'm trying to blend in. And that's just my first response. I, I'm blending in. I do not want to stand out, right? Um, but here, that, yeah, so that's my first instinct. But here we see Ruth, um, she doesn't, she doesn't try to blend in. She's a, a real foreigner, for, for starters, a mobile girl in Israel, and she's working hard. That makes her stand out, and the foreman sees this, and then she gets blessed out of that. 
But similarly today, we see people, they might be lining outside of a winds building and they feel that same pressure. Oh, oh, he's getting that. Or I have to go in here. And that makes me stand out. Right? But this is kind of where it starts to get a little bit interesting. Um, notice how gleaning is hard work for Ruth? Or what if, what if I say, what if it... Well, what if, what, well, whatever she provides each night to Naomi is a testament to how hard she worked. The more she moves around and she walks around and picks up this harvest, what if the amount of effort and labor she puts in um, determined how big or small her reward was? And I'm just throwing it out there. Um, for now, I'll come back to it. But this idea that gleaning is both hard work and it's something of reward, Right? Um, but it's, it's something that you have to work hard to get a reward. It's not something you just get a reward for doing nothing, right? But they do work in parallel. So let's look at, look at this, um, let's look at the hard work of the reward side of things. So if you go back to the text, we see generosity flying out of Boaz. Um, and I'm, I'm going to call this reward, just so it makes a bit more sense with my parallelisms. Um, so in verse 8, we see Boaz's generosity when he says, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Do not go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young woman working in my fields. See which part of the field they are harvesting and follow them. I have warned the young man not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Awesome, right? So firstly, uh, I just want to point out, Janet pointed this idea earlier um, of protection. So there's a little bit of this idea of protection where Boaz rewards Ruth for her hard work. Um, she's an outsider, but now we see her grant the, get granted this full protection of staying on his fields. Um, Boaz literally says it uh, plainly, stay right here when you're on the when you gather or stay right here with us when you gather grain. Do not go to any other fields. And then he continues to say, I've warned the young man not to treat you roughly. And I'm I'm pretty sad. I would say it's pretty safe to say that's protection. Um, so we see Boaz go above and, above and beyond, offering the safety uh, or protection. And he offers advice to Ruth as well. Um, but, he, but Boaz continues to uh, bless and reward uh, Ruth uh, in verses 14 through to 17. And he says, it says, At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine and vinegar. And when he sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She took all that she wanted and had some left over. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to her men, to his men, let her gather among the sheaves. And the sheaves were just these tall bundles of grain that were previously harvested. And then he says, uh, and don't reprimand her, but even pull out some stalks from that bundle and, and leave them on the ground for her to pick them up. Don't rebuke her. And then Ruth gleaned uh, to what mounted to what amounted to about an EF, which was 13 kgs, that we saw Janet talk about earlier. Um, and that's something, oh, that's definitely something that you didn't see someone regularly uh, gleaning, do walking away with 13 kgs of, of harvested wheat or barley. It's, it was unheard of. That's definitely a blessing, right? So out of this, we can now kind of see this idea that, that gleaning's kind of hard work, um, but then there's also reward that flows out of that. That was my point from earlier. Um, but that's kind of how I want to describe gleaning in the natural. And I wanted to twist it 
um, and flip it and spiritualize it and turn it onto us today. So I wanted to introduce you to something, a word that I struggled with before, uh, called parallelism. Parallelisms. Oh, it's a mouthful. Um, but it's a parallelism. Is this thing in the text where <laughs> uh, corresponding things that like are two things correspond one another, and they make sense to just kind of be. You could interchange them, and it makes sense for them to do that. Um, so from this text, you might be familiar with um, a parallelism. Um, there's Boaz, who can be seen as Jesus, right? You can see Ruth as a Gentile believer, which we would be included as. Um, the, the church, the bride of Christ, um, because she's a non-Jewish believer. And then there's also Naomi, who could be seen as, as Israel. And here I want to, what I want to do is just kind of look through each of their, or two of their eyes, um, and look at what it might have meant to them. Um, so let's start with Ruth. Uh, this is, she's the church, remember, um, or what we would be. Uh, so one, I want to point out the church should be working hard. Remember earlier, uh, Ruth was gleaning hard in the fields and, and, and it was hard work. It literally said it. And Boaz's foreman said she had been seen hard at work ever since morning and only taken a few minutes rest. And I, I get this pretty clear idea that the church should be working hard. Two, the, the church should not be expecting a handout. Uh, remember earlier again, Boaz, uh, rewards Ruth for working hard. He goes, here, you can have this extra stuff, um, but he doesn't just hand it to her. She still has to work for it. She gets a bigger blessing from it, but she does still have to work for it, right? So I get this idea that maybe the more I work, the more I'm rewarded. So that's number two. The the church should should not be expecting a handout. Um, Point number three I'd like to make for Ruth is the church, is the church should be harvesting faithfully within their own field. So, I'm not sure if you're, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier. Uh, So Israel gets blessed this huge harvest. Uh, So, okay, all of Israel is getting this huge crops, right? Um, Ruth ends up in Boaz's field. He says, don't go to any other field, stay right here. He literally calls her to his field and promises these good rewards. and there's definitely this, uh, all around her, there's most likely huge harvest going on, people reaping huge rewards, but what if she chased those rewards? She was called to this field. Well, don't focus on what's going on around you, right? So she should be harvesting faithfully within her own field, because if she goes to another field, there's no, there's no guarantee that in this field over here, she's going to get the same reward as this field, right? Uh, and finally, I just wanted to point, uh, last point for Ruth as the church, is the church should be willing to sacrifice their reputation, right? And we saw this point earlier from Janet where where Ruth is a, a real foreigner and she doesn't try to blend in. And, and then out of this, she puts everything on the line. But because she doesn't stand out, a foreman notices her working hard and goes, all right, let's bless her. So the blessing flows out of that. Um, that also led to protection as well, which... I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, next, I'm going to look at Boaz as Jesus. So these are the things that, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, number one, Jesus completes what is the law, right? We looked at that Levitical law earlier. 
Um, and Boaz completely, compl- completely completes it, uh, where he literally just lets her glean on his field. That's all he has to do. She can just walk behind someone on a field and pick up two little pieces of grain, and th- he's completely completed the law. Um, but he does complete the law. Number two, Jesus rewards the church, who was Ruth, remember? So Boaz rewards Ruth, uh, for working hard. Uh, so we saw that when he asks, when Boaz asks his foreman, um, and then he ends up rewarding Ruth from what she had worked hard from. Uh, after she only works a few minutes. So yeah, she works hard, and then Jesus rewards her for that. Uh, number three, Jesus blesses above and beyond all our expectations. And there was this idea, uh, looking back to, to Boaz, he rewards Ruth um, beyond our expectation. If you actually look in verse 10, um, we see Ruth, yeah, Ruth collapse onto the ground. She says, why have, I, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? She's like, what? why are you rewarding me? I don't deserve this. So this idea that Jesus blesses a bond, uh, above and beyond all expectations. Uh, four, and this works in parallel with another idea from, from Ruth, Jesus doesn't hand out the reward. Okay, this idea that you do have to still work for it. Um, yeah, he doesn't just hand Ruth the reward. He could have, he didn't. Um, so what does this kind of mean for us today? After looking through the story of Ruth um, and her, her perspective um, as the church, we kind of know that we should glean in our own field. Um, that uh, the more the harder we glean, the the more we sh- should get, um, and that we're going to get blessed beyond our expectations if we do. Um, also, looking through Boaz's eyes as Jesus, we see that what Jesus will complete, what He'll let us do on our own, and what He will not do. Um, so how does that apply today? Should we just start go out and harvesting barley? Yeah, no. Uh, there's not many around anyway, I don't think, so it'd be a little bit hard to. So I'm going to point at my life as an example to start, and I'm going to kind of flip it onto you guys. Sorry. Um, so to give you an idea, currently where Jesus has called me to glean is this strange place called Zion, right? Also Vision College. Um, and, yeah, that's what I do throughout my week. It's where Jesus has called me to be, uh, to study and, and to intern here, um, which is on the side of that. But remember, that also means that I don't just come in on a Tuesday and then study once a week, so, because that defeats the purpose of gleaning. So to glean means I have to work hard. So I need to work hard on my field because, why? Because Jesus called me to be here, and he, he wants to reward me, but he can't reward me unless I work hard, right? Um, so what does this mean for you guys? Um, if I gave you a sentence that kind of summed up what it all meant, it would say something along the lines of, are you gleaning in your field so hard that you're willing to risk your reputation? And this means staying completely and faithfully focused on what Jesus has called you to do, no matter what others are, um, around you are doing. All right, I'm going to say it again. Are you gleaning in your field so hard that you're willing to risk your reputation, and this means staying completely and faithfully focused on what Jesus has called you to do, no matter what others around you are doing.
Right? So I'm going to challenge you with these three questions. Um, just to get you thinking. One, do you know where your field is? Do you know where Jesus has called you to be? Um, and I'm not going to limit or exclude to what is inside or outside of the church because you can glean inside and outside of the church. Um, two, are you gleaning in your field? Remember that there's that idea that, that there was this huge harvest in all of Israel, but Ruth was called to her field, in Boaz's field. Um, so are you in your field, or, or did you end up getting distracted by someone, and you went, wow, that looks really cool. I'm actually going to give that a go, because that's pretty cool-looking rewards. Right? And then finally, are you gleaning? Are you working hard? I mean, you have to work hard to get the reward that Jesus wants to give you. So I'm just going to go back through those. Do you know where your field is? Where Jesus has called you to be? Are you gleaning in your field? And three, are you gleaning? Right? Yeah, and that's where I'm going to end there. I'm going to finish with prayer. Um, but I'd also like to open up the prayer booth here for those last three questions. If you feel like they, uh, I don't know, if, they, if you feel like they apply to you, um, so if you don't know where your field is, if you if you feel like you were distracted and you ended up in another field and, and you got caught up and, and you want to get back to your field or you don't even know where your field is, I really want to open up the prayer booth over here, which is where the couch and stuff is, um, and I will probably come help and some a team will probably come help me. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to finish with some prayer and then we'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah, Lord, uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to speak to these people, Lord. Uh, I just really hope it uh, sinks into their hearts and that they would respond if they feel that they need to. Uh, I thank you that you have called us all to a field and that we are called to glean, we are called to work hard, and you want to reward us for that. Yeah, Lord, I thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our message and it inspired you. Stay connected and get amongst our family. Find us on Facebook, YouTube or our app. We are Zion people.